everyone and welcome to Justin the Guest. My guest today is a good one. Today I have comedian Ryan Sickler on the podcast. He is a stand-up comedian, a storyteller, an award-winning producer, and host of the Honeydew Podcast. His podcast focuses on highlighting and laughing at the low points of life and averages a mere 1.5 million downloads per month. No big deal. <laughs> He's an incredible comedian guy. He makes me laugh so hard. He's the best. I hope you like this episode. Wow. I'm getting ready to go back. Yeah, Philly and Baltimore are like cousins for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Was it a big change going to LA at all? I mean, yeah, it was. It's so long ago, I have to really think about it. It was a big change. There's so many more people, um, so many more. I'm just, yes is the answer. What <laughs> it was is I'm thinking about, like culture. You know, I did, honest to God, I know this is going to sound so ignorant, but um, I didn't know what an Armenian, what I had never met an Armenian ever mm-hmm. in my life. Me either. Yeah. Nope. You know, and I then all you. of a sudden there's this whole city of them right here. You know what I mean? Like, mm, oh, I maybe know. I don't know shit. You know, I what know. I mean? there's a little Ethiopia out here. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So I, you see that culture. Um, the closest I got, Baltimore was very... I mean, pretty much black and white. Yeah. Um, and then DC would have, you know, more culture with Dominicans I, I, and Puerto Rican, and I'd learn a little more. And then New York, of course, going up there. But I felt like Baltimore and Philly, there wasn't much diversity outside of of black and white. I feel like. Yeah, exactly. Like I didn't even meet a Jewish person until I went to college. Like I was like, what? Like everyone I knew was, yeah, yeah, it's fine. But wait, I'm so excited for your tour. Tell me everything. What are you most excited for? Because, Well, I'm most excited to safely get back out there, to be honest. But uh, I miss stand-up. You know, stand-up is, it's unlike anything else. It's like this, the podcasts are great. Uh, but sometimes with your schedule as a parent or tour or whatever it is, you might have another job. Um, you have to record ahead. And you forget what you say because uh, you spent an hour plus with someone three weeks ago yeah. and you you remember those moments just like someone watching it does those moments resonate but you don't always remember everything um you do a, a movie or a tv show it could be six months eight months before it comes out there is nothing like the immediate reaction of stand-up good or bad it is immediate. You don't have to wait three weeks to hear it or a year or whatever it is. So um, that's what I'm most excited to get back out, see people, healthy people, having a good time. People are excited to be out too. You know, we've all been locked up for so damn long. Everybody wants to laugh and have a good time. Yeah. And I've been so lucky to see you perform live. Have you always been that good? Like, have you ever, because <laughs> you're so confident, you're great. Yeah. <laughs> listen if you knew what i felt like inside i tell you it's that's an art form too you know yeah uh, walking through life like everything's all right all the time when it's not <laughs> um no podcasting did that podcasting like if you go it's funny you always think you're ready you know what i mean your ego's like nah we're ready and then you do a set you record it you watch it five years later you're like oh you know you see that shit and um but podcasting changed my stand-up for sure and i talk about it because 
you know, we would tell these stories, especially back when we started on the crab feast, things like that. And, and other people sitting around a table, like, are you talking about that on stage? You're like, no, like, you got to talk about that on stage. And I turned so many stories from the podcast into stories in my stand-up now. I know guys like Rory Scovel, um, he, he created a whole closer off yeah. of a story he told that just was something like, you gotta fucking tell that. It's a great story. So um, that certainly changed my stand-up uh, style. Yeah, because what I love too about your podcast, you do pull such great stories out of people where I haven't really seen like you do it with such an art form that I feel like a lot of people can't do. I still can't get over the Joel McHale interview. Like I had no idea about his dyslexia. And like, I don't know, I feel like you're able to pull such great stories out. Thank you. I, look, a lot of people say that to me. They do. And it blows me away. And I'm just thinking like, maybe there's two parts to it. I, I can't deny that so many people say it, you know, okay, I, I'll equate it to this. When I moved to California, mm -hmm. Um, people are like, man, you have an accent. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I just, the other day, I've been here since 1997, wow. just at my daughter's soccer game. The lady's like, where are you from? What's that Southern accent I'm getting? I'm like, I, <laughs> I still get it like twice a week. And then for years and even still a touch, I'm in denial. I think I sound like you sound, you know what I mean? In my head, I sound like you sound. Yeah. So <laughs> I denied it, but the overwhelming evidence of my accent is beyond there. So it's undeniable. Only if you're a lunatic, you would deny it. So I appreciate what you're saying. I've gotten it enough now to think that maybe I do do a good job at that. But also the other part is like, I don't think I'm doing anything special. I just think I'm being nice. You know what I mean? I just feel like I'm making a safe space yeah. and telling you, obviously, outside these lights and cameras and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm making a safe space where I want you to be able to talk about it. And I tell everybody before we're even rolling, like if it's something that you're on the fence with, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, just don't, just don't. Yeah. Yeah. It lives forever, just don't. Um, and I don't know, people really get comfortable. I, I've seen so many people cry, which I didn't think. And yeah. God, to hear women talk about rape and assault. I mean, yeah. I, I never, never thought yeah. I would hear those stories. Never. Yeah. I thought we would, people would be talking about nonsense and laughing at some of the stuff. But man, people have gone fucking deep. So, yeah. And what I love too about I your like us, by the way. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. You can fucking do it. No. <laughs> What I love too about your podcast is you, I'm like laughing one minute, I'm crying another, I'm learning so much. Like I love, it's like one of the only ones I listen to. So <laughs> I, love I listen, I love it. I love my yeah. life right now. I love my job right now. I sit across from these comedians who, I mean, man, they've been through some shit. We've all been through some shit. And for them to, to cry one moment, and then have us laughing the next, you know, that's how my family, we always dealt with our tragedy. Like, I didn't know that was a, you know, wasn't normal or a special. I, I didn't know. That's what we always do. We'd be like, Oh, you better not do that shit. You end up like dad, you know, would somebody just drop a joke? Your dad's still dead. Right. You know, that was the way we dealt with it. I didn't know there were a bunch of other people out there that did that too, that also found it um, comforting. You know, I, I've I've gotten emotional a few times on the show and um, I love it. I just 
and also the Patreon, the Honey Do It okay. Deal. Like, there's not that these comedians aren't strangers. We we sort of know each other. Some of we of, of us know obviously know each other very well. And then there's other people you know through comedy or through a friend of a friend, and you've just never really connected. And then to connect with them in yeah. this moment, you know what a what a great first impression to meet someone like that to me is memorable and it lasts it's lasting and uh yeah I, I fucking love it and then to talk to strangers who are comfortable to to share their fucking stories and i'm hearing about people with two vaginas and uh a guy solving a cold case and you know someone's dead and coming back like oh man it's crazy i love yeah. it i love it though <laughs> You have like the most exciting life. Like, I feel like no one else could say that. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> how was your day? Just talking to two vaginas, doing this. <laughs> That's all we got. Today, after, right after you, I'm talking to a guy from Maryland who, I may be saying this wrong, but I believe he's a paraclimber and he's, a, he's I, I don't, either he's paralyzed or he doesn't have legs. He's in a wheelchair and he climbs. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm saying, I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't yeah. even know. I'm, I'm know. a moron. So no, I can't too. wait to talk to this guy to, to hear what's going on. No, it makes me feel like such an underachiever when I'm like making excuses, not go to the gym. And he's like, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go down the steps to take this <laughs> out of the car, you know? <laughs> Do you have like, I mean, it seems stupid to ask, like, if you have a favorite moment on the podcast or a favorite guest, but is there one that like stands out that you were just like, I can't believe this happened or? I feel like every podcast that you do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is very hard to pick that moment um, because there have been a few where I was like, Whew, you know, from Jeremiah Watkins crying for 25 minutes in uh, in, in a small box during COVID. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> uh, they're like, hey, you shouldn't be around any kind of liquids from anybody. Basically, I'm getting snot, tears, everything <laughs> else out of his ass. Um, Jesse May Peluso story. Yeah. Um, Lana, Lana Negretti coming on here after the store being looted um, after yeah. the riots was crazy. Carlotta, who does the voiceover for me. Um, Jessa Reed, who was one of the episodes before I had video um, talking about the meth and the aliens. Um, man, Maranzio Vance um, talking about being molested by cousin female cousins on one side of his family as a young boy and then when he went to his cousins on the other side of the family he tried to do to them what his cousins were doing to him yeah what yeah there's been a lot of those moments oh it's hard God. it's hard to pick yeah. one. i feel like you're also like part therapist too it's like therapist comedian <laughs> jesus That's, i'll take it I'll yeah take it. So I know with going on tour, are, do you have any like pre-show rituals or anything you're like, I have to do this before I go on stage? Um, I like to shower um, and yeah. get in some water, honestly, water, because yeah. um, I don't know. I know this sounds so stupid, but whatever. I'm, I am a Pisces. I'm a very me much too. a water person. Nope, me too. In that shower and I'll let that water run over me and I just feel creative. I feel like it opens my mind. Um, that's my start. And then it depends if, if the club's close enough, I like to put, um, some music on and walk. Oh, awesome. I like that. Yeah. You know, and get like a little fired up that way. Um, and then it all, you know, ideally I'd love to be in a green room, just, you know, going over maybe some notes or just yeah. chilling and relaxing and laughing with somebody. Oh. Um, 
those are the best those green room moments are the best moments like that stuff nobody else gets you know what i mean yeah that's, that's the shit and um but sometimes they don't have a green room so you don't get that you're standing outside like did they call me I not yet oh you got the light okay you're still waiting out there just bang on the door when it's my turn you know you're the headliner so. it's so true like yeah. i just had so many flashbacks to do it like trying to do stand-up in the winter in during covid like i was like in the rain outside they were like i was like is there a green they're like no just put your head down and then we'll just pop. i mean that's the longest i never i didn't do any of the um drive-in shows the car ones yeah it's the longest i haven't done stand-up since i've been doing stand-up was yeah during the pandemic it was and i'm trying to i, I the last time just prior to phoenix last weekend the last i did i would do like 25 or 30 minutes when i did shows with tom and brea yeah. but the last time i did an hour was in january of 2020 i was kicking the tour off at the ice house and that was the beginning of it and then what was it like end of january and then i was going to be march and then it was done wow That's yeah so that was the last time i did an hour it was a year and a half maybe a little longer Oh my God. Well, yeah. I'm so excited for your tour. Cause again, I've like seen you live. So I'm like, Oh, it's going to be great. It's, you're going to kill Thank it. You. Oh, but what's being on tour with Tom Lake too. I know you're doing Vegas oh. together, like unreal. <laughs> it's yeah. I just called him the other day and I was like, man, like George Carlin and our, our idols and our heroes were not flying private jets. Like these fucking guys are. And I mean, they just, I don't know. You look at like a, a sport like football, like I equate like uh, Pryor and Carlin, the guys like Johnny Unitas and all those guys that that's, you know, were still had jobs back when football. Now these guys, they don't even get on the field and get their uniform dirty. They're making six figures, seven figures. So um, I equate it to sort of that, you know, these comedians like Tom and Bert and those guys have just changed the game. Burr, Chappelle to a whole nother level. Yeah. And um, it's pretty fucking awesome to see, you know, to, to, I've never been on a private jet like that in my life. I've the tour bus like that in my life, you know, and I, uh, I dreamed of this shit. Like I'm living my fucking dream. It's crazy. I, I, I journal about it all the time. And I've been, I've write, I've started writing that line. I'm living my dream. Um, it's, you know, and then Tom's just one of my best friends too. So it's, it's that, you know, win-win. You're on the road with one of the funniest, best comedians in the world. And also you've known for almost 20 fucking years. And, you know, you go back to playing fucking Halo all night long, you know, <laughs> when you're a kid. I always see, I feel like you guys have such good banter too. Like I love seeing both of you together on like podcasts or anything. Like it just, you can tell you've been friends for so long and I think it's going to be. That's what I also think that's really what connected us to. It was this immediate like uh, channel that just flowed back and forth. There's no real, I don't ever feel stunted or, um, you know, I mean, Tom's whole thing is to try to get you to freak out and shut up when he shows you these fucking videos. <laughs> that, that's his thing. But man, yeah. <laughs> like, I still think back to it's because I'm going to Indiana right now. Yeah. I featured for him years ago at this club called Crackers. And after we were done, we're, we're at the hotel and um, 
And he puts this laptop on just like this right now. And he's, he, he's like, watch this video. And I'm watching this. I'm peeking in like this. And it's a close-up of this fucking glass, uh, a drinking glass. And this guy, this, this just naked from the waist down. And he squats and puts the glass up his ass. And then it breaks. <laughs> and then he's pulling the glass out and he's gushing blood out of his butthole. <laughs> and he's not screaming. You can see scar tissue. And I'm just freaking out. Like, what the fuck are you? I still have not never forgotten. <laughs> but what I didn't know is he was recording my reaction to watching the video. Oh, my and God. And that's what he was fucking over there, probably jerking it to that <laughs> So <laughs> that's what I'm like. Um, does it change? Like, so I've only ever done clubs. Like, does it change when you're playing these huge venues? Like, do you have to get like more physical? I don't I don't even know. So it's like, how do you does it change well, It does change. So I didn't know it either until I went on tour with Tom. But when you're doing 2500 3000 4000 and now he's doing eight, 10, 12, whatever, yeah. um, you really do have to wait. You'll hear a joke hit in the front and you'll hear it. You'll hear it move to the back and you can't be jumping on your next one like a club yeah. because those people are going to hear miss part of it. Wow. So I was just saying this to Tom. I'm like, what do you think? You think a normal 15 minute club set in a theater setting, what do you think? Maybe 10 to 12 it's probably yeah for that slow pacing you know you got to let all that settle it's a lot of people in there you know wow I would never... think yeah. about this let's just say you're only ha getting half the laughs that's still out of four thousand that's still two thousand fucking laughs you know yeah. what i mean so it sounds it's different it hits different it really does when you get that first laugh you're like jesus christ <laughs> That's so interesting though, because I never would have thought that. And yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So now I just have some quick rapid fire questions. All right. Okay. If you were stranded on a tropical island, you can only bring three comedians. Who would you bring? Dead or alive. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Either one. Yeah, that's All a right. good. <laughs> Let's do alive and dead. I'll okay. go Tom Segura for sure, because again, comedian and also friend. Um I would probably take Eddie Murphy. Uh, um, yeah. I think Eddie Murphy would constantly be bringing different characters that would have be like having different people there. You know what I mean? So it'd be like more than people. And then, um, oh, this third one's a tough one. It's a tough one because I feel like it would be Chappelle probably. Yeah. Um, as soon as, yeah as soon as i asked i was like i don't even know who i would bring <laughs> yeah, his his mind is just beyond fascinating to me and then to put that into comedy is crazy yeah dead would be prior carlin i'd love to say robin williams but i think that'd be a lot of energy on that little ass island so i'm gonna go with prior i'm gonna go with <laughs> car like carlin and uh geez who would be another oh you know what I think maybe Joan Rivers would be good. Wow, she yeah. Bust a lot of people's balls and keep it fresh on that island. She keep everybody in check. That was the best answer I've ever gotten to that question. All right, I like that. Um, what's your go-to karaoke song? Well, 
I would say I don't have a go-to, but it would be when I do it, it's it's like a rally song, you know, like everybody, like um, like an easy one's friends in low places. If you're in a place where everybody knows words like that, or uh, I don't do Sweet Caroline, but that's like sort of what I'm talking about. But I like um, I've been playing it for my daughter and she sings the oh. shit out of it now. But uh, Country Road, Take Me Home by John Denver. It's such a hillbilly song, but it's that's a good sing along when in a oh, bar. Yeah. I love I'll that. I'll tell song. you, we used to go to. Um, can I tell you the story? Anything. Yeah, of course. Right. So back in the day in like college, we'd be bored and, you know, wherever you're from, you always feel like nothing's going on. You're tired of being there. So we would go down to the city, to these different neighborhoods in Baltimore City, and we would pick a random one on a Saturday night or a Friday night, and it would be a karaoke bar. And we made up our own game that was like, let's say there's five of us. You're with us, right? Well, I go up and I sign you up and I pick a song for you, but you don't get to know what it is until you get up there and then you have to fucking sing that song all right but you also even if i fuck with you you get to pick mine you see so it was very much impractical jokers with karaoke before impractical jokers was even around and um that's what we would do and the bar hated us at first when we walked in because they were all locals and they had their songs. They had their Never Say Goodbye by Bon Jovi, where the guy told me this was Baltimore Sinatra and the guy's crying while he's singing it. Um, they had those songs. So we would we would go up and we would do it as good as we could at first. Like, let's get them. Let's be welcome here first before we really get in there. And that's what we would do. And we'd get them all on our side. And we're like, okay, okay. We chit chat everybody up and uh, where are y'all from? Whatever. Oh, okay, okay. They could see we weren't there to fuck their night up or anything. We were just going to blend in seamlessly, but we had our own thing going on. Um, and by the end of the night, you were getting one of those fucking rally songs, you know, a sabotage or something, getting the place all fucking fired up, you know, bulls on parade and then get the fuck out of there. <laughs> oh my god I love this so much too I was like I want to do that why didn't I think of that it's fun it is fun <laughs> I feel like I would just mess with people the whole time that like but remember it comes back to you it comes back um what is your biggest pet peeve um man I got a lot of fucking pet peeves. <laughs> yeah, me too. but my biggest one is people who can dish it and can't take it yeah you know, if you're going to sit there and talk all that fucking shit, then you know what? When that sandwich comes around, it's time for you to take a fucking bite. Take your fucking bite and shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I, I feel like being a comic. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to bust balls, and then when it's your turn, you're going to fucking boo-hoo. Shut the fuck up. I know. Yeah. Like coming from, yeah, like coming from Philly, I feel like everyone, like where I was raised, you make fun of each other. Like that's how you just show love. And it's called bullying now. <laughs> and they were like you're a bully i was like wait what uh, no. like wait i'm trying to tell you i love you I <laughs> asshole they throw that on at the end <laughs> no exactly so i was like oh is that not <laughs> yeah it's fine um what do you have any guilty pleasure tv shows are you a real housewives fan or i don't know now, i don't honest to god i don't get to watch much tv and now when i'm doing it's all football oh uh, well TV. yeah uh but but I do love Shark Tank. Ooh. Um, 
I do love, uh, oh, I love Chris Harwick's The Wall. That's a fun one to watch. Oh, I've heard good things. Watch that one. It's, it's fun, you know, watching people get money and lose money. Um, <laughs> and then I just let my daughter watch, you know, shit she watches. We're watching Archibald and Tip and O. And, uh, oh, man, I just showed her Goonies the other night. I was oh. like, why? I go, I can't remember all the language, but I feel like, all right, we're going to watch Goonies. So I put it on. And she's watched it five times since uh, Sunday. <laughs> Saturday. Oh, yeah, she went it's a classic. Yeah, oh. it's a I'm so impressed you can balance both to like having a family comedy working. <laughs> I have dogs well, and I'm tired. <laughs> so. It's look, man, I've been working so many fucking jobs. It's yeah. never been just one thing from I've always had a writing producing gig for networks for television and promos and things. I also produce I've sold uh, a, a couple series, um, all while doing stand-up, all while podcasting, um, all while the last seven years being a parent, six of it single parent. Um, and I've built this tour, like I would like to get out there more, but also right now we've got weird shit with COVID, so I don't need to be out there every weekend anyway. And I've built this tour around the weekends I don't have my daughter, so... We have a 50-50 split and we split it up and I built it around so I could still come out there, do that and come back and be a dad. Oh my God. Well, I'm very impressed because you make it look easy and it, it is not easy. Listen, so. I'm telling you, uh, the first people I thank are my babysitters. Especially, thank you, Alexis the Great A. Uh, <laughs> they allow me to, to, you know, especially to do this store shows and local yeah. shows here like they're letting me uh get out there so it's, that, that's nice you gotta it's, listen that it takes a village shit is so true yeah. yeah i could never do this by myself there's so many people behind the scenes no oh, i love too because like you've worked with such incredible people like being a producer too like you did a funny dance show you worked with kevin hart like how was doing yeah. all of that too um i've been lucky i worked with oprah um i've what? had some, i know i've had some good ones i worked at own uh when they were starting the network i helped launch the network and move it over into the buildings they're at now and then got to work on her very early shows over there like your own show and uh master class they were doing and got to work with like will i am and oprah and gail and Carson, all these people that they had floating through very early on you know in the right. early days but i got to work with her meet her um, Kevin Hart was the shit like that was so much fun um, I got to be a supervising producer on the Donald Mack series and we won an award for it um, but the, I think they finally stopped I, I see a new variation of it now because he's obviously so damn popular and that makeup that he has on took at, he would get there like before the sun was up and it took hours to put that shit on them and oh i'm not trying to say they did a bad job because they didn't they did a great job but yeah. a lot of people started to go wait you're kevin hart or they'd seen yeah. the series already so we would have to shoot a bunch of excess um episodes because some people some people were smart they yeah. knew and they'd shut up because they knew if they opened up that was getting cut out. And a lot of these people wanted their camera time with Kevin Hart. So you could tell at the end, they'd be like, I knew it. I knew when, when you said this, I knew it. You know, they would say that some people couldn't even help themselves. There was one uh, 
couple, a boyfriend, girlfriend that got in, they shut the doors, they sat down, they buckled up there. Like, no way. They didn't, we didn't even leave the garage. Oh They're like, no way, Kevin Hart. Oh, this is Donald Mac. We love you, dude. We're like, God. And he's laughing, but we're like, God damn it. So we got to go with another person, you know? So, so much I think work. they may have stopped it just because so many people were um, recognizing them at that point. It, it was getting tougher to, to pull them off. Oh my God. Well, that's, I mean, God, that's the best story. <laughs> oh, it was so fun though. He was awesome to work with. His crew was KP Anderson and Charlie uh, Grenzer, all those people, Pygmy Wolf. They were awesome. Everybody's, I've been very lucky to work on some really good, I've worked on some shit shows, but yeah. definitely uh, to work on some good stuff. But okay. What is the worst stand-up gig you've ever done? Like, I've done so many horrible ones, but yeah. That's funny. Um, okay, so there's a, it's hard to answer. So so one of the worst was I was just saying um, they were telling me in in Phoenix last week that if they they don't I think they need to have a certain number of people to do a show and uh, they were canceling. They weren't even getting ten people. Um, and I remember being at Universal Studios. Uh, this is way back in the day, and they had this piano bar. They're they're pretty howling howl at the wolf or howl at the moon. They're like a chain piano bar, and they were doing a like whatever a Wednesday night comedy show. And we get in there, and there's two people, and it's two girls, two girlfriends, and they're like, "No, we want to show," and they sit right in the front row, and the venue makes us do it. We <laughs> walked away, but I was like, "Whatever, we'll talk to it." it was that was that just was fucking stupid. Oh my god, that's pretty bad. Um, but I'll never forget the um, the um, Persian dentist, the Persian dentist gig. This shit, <laughs> this dude did one like deep in the valley, and but paid well. And then when you got there, um, there was no room to move. You had to stand still on the stage, and it was like this wooden dance floor here, and then tables all around it. And it was, uh, he threw a, a nice Christmas party for his um, patients and his employees from two different offices and they all came, which was great. And he had a nice band, which was great. He just didn't need comedy. He was a fan of us. Not everybody else. <laughs> Not everybody else that didn't know who the fuck we were. <laughs> uh, a lot of people didn't even speak English, didn't know what we were saying. So they're just eating through and talking through and shit. Like it was it sucked. it sucked. That sounds like my worst nightmare, but oh my God. Um, okay. What is the, uh, the worst or the dumbest injury you've ever had? Oh, I got a dumb injury. I've plenty of dumb ones, but one of the dumbest was um, after a Monday night Ravens game against the Tennessee Titans years ago, probably like 20 some years ago, I went and played football with my friend after the win. And we were just walked across the street to the park. It's dark. And I step in a hole and my foot turns. I'm also drunk, turns so hard that the top of my foot touches the ground and it rolls back over. And I'm like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And then I get up and like a moron, I continue to play <laughs> and, oh and do it to the other fucking ankle. Oh, no. So now I've got a left sprained ankle and my right ankle. I wake up in the morning, it's it's like this, and I'm like, oh shit. And I go to the doctor and they're like, you tore everything. So they lock my foot like this in a cast for three months up to my knee. 
um and it just has to like regrow and all that then it's physical therapy and i to this day i still can't like you know when you do calf raises or you step on a curve i can't lower my left one as far as i can my right one. Oh my god that sounds so painful too <laughs> like, like oh. it was yeah it was, it was <laughs> all right and last question what is the most overrated holiday that you celebrate if it's new year's or thanksgiving i don't know. i mean new Year, new year's is up there it's yeah. new year's is up there i mean i get the point we're having a new year and all that shit but it's a that one usually seems to be a train wreck yeah. um <laughs> yeah. but 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 more than new year's is valentine's day Oh, I want to say it properly. Valentine's Day. I want to. I want Christina P to hear me say that shit right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just. You know, it's supposed to be this one day you tell somebody you give a fuck about them. This manufactured day of carts and carts, cards and flowers and hearts and shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that one's bullshit. Yeah. That's, that's the overrated one. Yeah, that's such a good answer too. I was like, why didn't I, I didn't even think about that? Yeah. That I mean, for you to feel like. I have no value in my relationship or with someone I care about because something didn't happen because I didn't get cards, candy, flowers, or a special whatever on this one fucking day. And also, are you really content just fucking taking one day of that and being all right in your relationship? Fuck that. There should yeah. be a Valentine's monthly day. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Oh. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. You're so talented. You're so funny. I love your podcast. You're amazing. So. Thank you yeah. for having me.